0: Hello, and welcome to Pathfinders, Man Scouts. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Sally. I've known Sally for a long time. Uh, She attended the church I used to go to. Sally, um, she's got a degree in law. She studied law at the University of, I don't even know the name of the university. It was the top 10 law school's that were out there in New York City. She's worked for the jujitsu system out there for the Supreme Court. She helped assist the assistant attorney, uh, general attorney out there. She's got a lot of experience in law, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Um, she's got a very interesting background, but where I got to know her was at my church and we just kind of have like-minded thinking about preparing and preparedness and firearms. And she actually helps instructs women at the church at the time, it was kind of interesting. Sally, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. She's also spent quite a bit of time um, in law. As a matter of fact, Sally, would you talk a little bit about what you've done in the Los Angeles area in regards to your career and what prompted you to leave Los Angeles and move to Texas?
1: When I moved from New York City to LA, I thought I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. And I came out there and worked in that field for about 12 years. And, um, I found it to be a very dark, um, area of law, lots of glitz, lots of glamor, lots of lights, lots of, you know, flying back and forth, coast to coast, uh, first class, but really very bad. And, um, so I left that and I still worked for law firms, but not in a lawyer capacity. And I, just over time, I saw L.A. changing so much. The whole atmosphere in California was beginning to feel poisonous to me. And there opened up a window during COVID when I was laid off due to COVID ostensibly. And when that window opened, it was my chance to um, go. So that's what I did. And I had been thinking about where would I go if I ever left L.A. for years And one of the states that came up, or the one that came up, kept coming up on top, was Texas. The weather was not too harsh. And uh, also, they were very much freedom-oriented and very much Second Amendment supportive. And with those things, as well as knowing um, a pastor out here who had been at the church in Los Angeles and knowing I would have a good church, I did some recon, so to speak, And with all that, I decided to make the move. So I went through the window that was open and moved to um, Central Texas.
0: Now let me ask you a couple questions here. In regards to um, when did you start to see things were not quite right in America? Like, What would you say would be your turning point?
1: Probably when I joined the firearms community (laughs) because it was a whole different um, mindset that I had been looking at. Actually, I had been interested in doing it since the 80s. I had never made any move in that direction because uh, the the circumstances were not good for it. And I was in New York City and it just wasn't um, feasible at the time. And then when I first moved to LA, it also wasn't feasible. But around 20 13, I would say, is when I started waking up, really waking up.
0: Can you recall what was like the one thing that kind of just made you go, rut row, <laughs> something's not right?
1: <laughs> I think because lawyers deal in words so much and are supposed to be wordsmiths of a sort, um, not necessarily creative, um, although I do think I do some of that. But as a general um, point of view, they're, they're not very creative in their writing style, but words mean something or should mean something. And when I saw words being twisted and concepts being twisted and the Constitution being violated right and left and people just going along with their heads in the sand, I my head I couldn't put in the sand. But when I saw that happening, I think that was the moment that I really... Um, um, started thinking about alternatives and what was I going to do with my life and how was I going to try and live it uh, as best in in conformance with my principles.
0: Yeah, you know, you've we've shared some really interesting conversations you and I, and if you don't mind, I, I want to move into. Texas and what you went there and how you dealt with this weather situation, that's pretty much the crux of the call. But you have so many interesting perspectives and things that we've discussed. If you don't mind, I'd like to share some of those in regards to um, being a woman, dealing with self-protection, some of your experience, if you don't mind, um, just kind of like for our listeners to kind of get an idea of, of who you are and how you would advise women in terms of you know, just kind of general preparedness and, you know, self-defense and using good self-awareness and just kind of that sort of stuff. So if you don't mind, would you mind sharing one of your stories that you've told me?
1: Give me a hint as to which one, because as you said, there have been so many.
0: Uh, the one? okay. <laughs> there have. Uh, I would say the most um, one that sticks out the most in my mind, and I are kind of treading lightly here because I don't know if you want to talk about that, but it, Has to do with you being in a vehicle. Oh, wow!
1: Wow. You know, yeah, this is a heavy one. Um, No, I can. I I (laughs) if you don't want to, it's okay doing it. People, because one of the reasons why I'm happy to do it is because people always say, "Don't do it. Don't talk about it," Uh, because it's it's not pretty, right? And everything in life isn't pretty, and everything in life doesn't necessarily go the way you know we thought it would go when we were little kids. in fact, I'll make a little segue here. There's a song that's uh, called, um, oh, I don't remember the name of it, but it's, it's, it's the, the lyrics go New York City Girl. And then it talks about, um, you know, you thought life was going to be like a Broadway show. You were the star, but when did it end? You know, that kind of thing. So I, um, people always think that domestic violence happens to ignorant people, uneducated people low class people and that's not true it's across the board um, as um, Tony has mentioned I am a um, uh, an attorney by training and I was involved with an attorney and we both went to top ten school and that person was a, a hard abuser there wasn't there was all kinds of things, but one day we were in a car and he was speeding like crazy, weaving in and out of the lines. And he said the lines were just suggestions, you know, the whole thing. And I had, wow, this is heavy. I had been praying to the Lord to show me when I should leave. Cause there were all times, you know, leaving, not having any money at the time, um, all the money going into the business of this person and everything. Um, and I was just praying I needed an unmistakable sign to um, leave this relationship. And as we were driving down the freeway, he reached over and punched me in my temple. And um, wow, that was, I asked the Lord, is that the sign? And I told him not to do that again, some others. Th- you know, just don't do that. It's dangerous, et cetera. And he said, what well, do you need a head for? And did it again. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm done. This is it. This is a sign. So he, he was running out of gas and we stopped at a gas station and I jumped out of the car and ran and jumped on the first bus going anywhere. And um, that was kind of the end of that. Now, what, I, I don't know. If that's like, and then started over from there, started over with my, my briefcase, my purse and the clothes on my back. But what was, I guess, part of the story, which is kind of the backstory, is that I taught full contact women's self defense for a number of years in New York City. And not a lot when I came to, when I moved to LA, because I was just busy with stuff and working in, the, in that business and working um, in various law firms and doing things at the same time. But also because I just was exhausted from what was happening in, in the home life but my and so my whole thing was I did everything to avoid killing this person and getting out and leaving was one of those choices I made in order not to end up in a situation where there would be bloodshed um, because everybody has everybody has vulnerable parts you in their body and everybody has vulnerable times I guess that's kind of it.
0: <laughs> I was just reading a story about a woman who uh, went through a situation with a really bad domestic situation um this This man was incredibly abusive towards her, and she just she had enough. she um basically one one night after he pulled a, a major beating, she got the shotgun and just sent him wherever he would spend eternity and The courts let her off said that it was, um, wasn't self-defense, but it was because you probably know the terminology it had to do with uh, that. She was a little bit yeah. crazy at that moment, <laughs> uh, but um, th- you know, whatever the courts saw her, but I, I you know, this is a, I think this is a message uh, and what I would like everyone to take away from this. If any of you listeners know anybody who's in that situation, you need to counsel them to get out of that situation ASAP, just to just to run. Um, like Sally did. She she took off with very little and she started, she had to start her whole life over again. But who knows if she would have stayed in that, she may have been another victim. It, it, made a, it might have gotten a lot worse. So um, this is this is a serious problem in America and women are very vulnerable to this. So I, we kind of digress from what we we're going to talk about, but I, I just thought about that and I wanted to share that because my heart goes out to Uh, people that are in that situation I had a sister who was very much abused by her husband and uh, that's a whole nother story so I'm a big advocate of of defending uh, women in that regard so I didn't know you during that time but I'm so thankful um, that you're that you came out of that okay and that you're here and we're friends and we can talk about this today I'm really (laughs) bummed that you left Los Angeles my wife and I became very good friends with you and we uh, we just uh, we're sad that you're gone uh, but we still keep in touch, you know. We we share a lot of stuff back and forth, and uh, she's part of this little group that we have online that we communicate with. Is there anything else you want to add to that?
1: Um, I would affirm what you're saying about get out. It doesn't get better. It goes in a cycle of violence. You know, the violence, then all oh, the I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, whether it's verbal, physical, spiritual, financial, it it uh, represents itself or shows its face in all kinds of ways. And <clears throat> during that time. I think a lot of my thoughts were you don't want to kill this person and go to prison. <laughs> so uh, you know, even though there were right. there were many occasions when it would have yeah. been extremely easy to do it. And I I didn't. Um so but so just get out because it will your life will be forever changed if you stay. And, you know, then after that, you know, cooling off, I'm so sorry. Then there's a honeymoon period and then it builds up, builds up, builds up. And then there's bam, you know, the next cycle, the next um, blow up of whatever way it would, way it is. Um, so I, you, you just have to start planning and there's all kinds of resources and just go, just go. And you, if you have to leave everything behind, um, leave it behind. And if you have children, there are places that will help you stay together as a family with your children.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. And that was totally unexpected. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all we did. uh, We actually didn't even talk about this. Uh, But for some reason, I don't know, Holy Spirit just kind of moved me. Just like, you know, maybe we should talk about this. So it was very impromptu and I'm glad we did. I hope you're okay talking about it. Um, I think it's a great message to uh, to people uh, who know people and perhaps women that may be listening to this as well. So let's move on to the main topic of our discussion. So you were in Los Angeles. You decided to get out of Dodge. Um, going through that, listening, you know, talking to you about your move and all that. You've had some fiascos along the way and all that. And you finally got to where you were and you had some fiascos there. But you got all moved in, everything was all set up, and then boom. Yeah, it was a shock. But, you I mean, were hit with this crazy one of the weather. As I had
1: said, and all my friends know, is that I didn't want to go back to cold weather. I was like, I don't want to be cold anymore. I'm not moving back east. <laughs> you know, it's too cold, <laughs> right. or, you know, and it makes it just yeah. cold. So I wanted to go somewhere where it was oh, moderate man. and um, where there weren't a lot of bugs. Florida's great, but there's a lot of bugs in Florida, mosquitoes biting you and things like that. So it, it might sound trite, but that was part of the uh, equation. And so I came to Texas and uh, you know, after I got here, then this ice storm hits. And I'm telling you, it was like worse than almost every winter that I spent growing up and being in school and so forth back East, it was absolutely horrendous because it was rain, sleet, and snow all at the same time. And until it dropped way down below freezing, it would melt a little bit and then freeze back. And now you had ice. So you would have a layer of ice, a layer of snow, a layer of ice. And it was just um, unbelievable. And because the infrastructure wasn't built for that, you had all the uh, catastrophes happening in people's homes and on the freeways. And I know that a lot of people are blaming Texans. Oh, you guys were like so much like this and you're so independent and yada, yada, yada." but you weren't ready for the ice storm, were you? Well, no, because it doesn't ever happen. Um, Sure.
0: Now, uh, just let me interrupt you real quick we're talking about texas yes we're talking about what city um, i am on the let, very let edge of austin <clears throat> northwest okay. so we're talking mm-hmm. about texas we're talking about austin these are areas that do not have this type of weather
1: no i mean percent. it'll get cold i think in the winter I've, i came and they'll get it'll get a little cold sometimes uh, you know 40s you might have a spring of snow that doesn't stick but you don't have black ice, which people don't know how to drive in. Even people who are, who are um, mm-hmm. have experience with driving on ice and in snowy conditions know that that's something to be very much um, feared, quote-unquote. Um, you don't have uh, proper tires, for the most part. Not for heavy snow like that. Nice. You need snow tires. You need winter tires. Most people have all-weather tires, You, um, your homes aren't, lots of things here are now all electric. So when the electric goes out, which was caused by the storm, you don't have an ability to keep your food cold, heat your home, have hot water. If you have water, then when your water goes, what do you do? Because the pipes are cracking, uh, because they haven't been insulated, but there was no need for insulation that would have protected them, so these things kind of all converge into a perfect storm um, for for um, for the air for the whole state.
0: So let's go back to the time when all of a sudden you realize, "Oh my goodness, I'm in some deep doo doo here. What in tarnations is going on?" Like, just kind of, like, draw us a little picture of what that was like. Well,
1: I had started making some small preps. Like, all my preps pretty much got left in California, or a lot of them, whether they were um, given to people, like my water and stuff, or somehow things got left, some food items and things got left, and, you know, things like that. Like, where's my other flashlight? Where's my other um lantern so when I got here I started to rebuild things so I went out to the store and started purchasing the things that I could get and that I knew I could put away oh and by the way I moved from a house into an apartment so I lost some space there I I don't have a garage anymore I don't have a backyard anymore so I had to take those things into uh, account and so I went to the store. I bought canned goods. I started buying water again. I started buying batteries again. I had a little. I, I bought a little like sterno kind of stove thing um, because I didn't have an outside really to to cook on. So I didn't I didn't want to do go with the um, <clears throat> propane, and I didn't really know how to do that because I hadn't educated myself yet. Um, and things were hard to find. They were just disappearing right and left, even even just before the storm, just because of the um, change in the administration and people were starting to prepare themselves. So I started doing that again. And what I found was that we were okay food-wise um, because we had food here that you could eat. You know, we had the peanut butter and jelly, a peanut butter and jelly and crackers. We had... You know, all the canned stuff, canned soups, spam, which you're probably not going to eat until you're in an emergency, but it'll do. Um, Canned corned beef, you know, canned veggies, things like that. Um, Sandwich meat and bread, you could always eat that. Mustard keeps, you can put that on something and eat it. Um, So we were, I was okay there. As it turned out, we didn't have to go into our store a lot because the building I'm in started providing meals catered by restaurants that were still open. So they provided us with, um, two full meals a day and, um, like a continental breakfast in the morning. So that helped. Um, <clears throat> I had a lot of, can- I had a lot of, um, batteries and I had, um, quite a large number of flashlights for what a normal person or an average person would consider to be. I don't want to say abnormal, but it, what an average person might consider to be, um, a lot, but you know, I still need more (laughs) because they, you use them up, but I had batteries. I had flashlights. I had battery operated candles. Um, I had water because I, I, you know, would go out and buy bottled water. So I had that, I had all those things. I had, um, what a friend of mine calls bum wipes, you know, the wipey things, you know, those are important. Uh, (laughs) you don't have water to do your, your hygiene with. Um, we um uh, so I was yeah. okay there. In fact, um uh, people laughed at me. I got one of those those headlamps that you uh, camping headlight or whatever goes in your around your head and I was walking through the halls with that on and someone saw me uh-huh. and they all started laughing hysterically, <laughs> like I can't believe you have that thing. Where'd you get it? I need one. I said, Well, you got both hands free now <laughs> And right. I can maneuver and I can still see. <laughs> exactly. And so I know that some of them did go out and buy it, um, after things were open again um but i i the, i had tons of blankets from living back east i had never had an opportunity to use all those blankets i still haven't used all of them uh living in california
0: so, so i was going to ask you I, how, I did, had, how did you stay I warm through all i know
1: that you that you should layer i still have very warm coats coats that i could not wear the whole time i was in la which was many 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 years but that i kept in good condition um, didn't let moths eat them or anything. And so I had, I had clothes and I had, uh, so I put my coat, I couldn't find gloves, but my sister who, um, she lent me a pair of her gloves. So I had gloves. Um, yeah, I, I, and blankets, when you were in the bed, you were fine. I, at least I was fine. And, uh, that was really good. And then I also had prepared for the cat. There's extra cat food. There's bottled water for the cat. That is her allocation specifically. You know, there's extra cat litter, <laughs> so that the cat. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. So that the cat was also taken into account, which is one, uh, you know, a good reason for us to to stay here.
0: So, what was the general mood of the apartment complex and the people within your area? How would how would you How would you talk about their demeanor, their Um, attitude towards this whole thing? Fear
1: was really big because they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what to do. Um, There was one woman who said she had absolutely no, all caps, no food in her place. And I'm wondering, how can you have no food? You don't have any. She had nothing. And she was crying, and this is like an 80-some-year-old woman or something like that. She's crying, and it was just horrible. So, of course, Mm. you know, give her food. Uh, People didn't have water. I had some friends I had made. They were down the hall, a couple. They came and said, we don't have any water. And I said, oh, well, they didn't know I had anything. And I said, well, I can share with you. So I was able to give them some water. Um, But it was like, as soon as the store opens, or you go find a convenience store, go get your water. Um, So it was fear, um, some helplessness where they just sat and didn't do anything. Um, Some were able to go to relatives' places that had um, electricity and or water. So they were able to go there. The uh, city offered to take people to a shelter and somewhere, I don't know, downtown. I, I wasn't going to any shelter. I said, no, 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 no. (laughs) <laughs> and so I my mean, friends asked me, are you going? No, I'm not going. They said, well, then I'm not going. And based on nothing more than I was, I was calm. I don't think I ever freaked out. I know I didn't. I just was was calm because I figured something out. Um,
0: you, know, you know, that's an interesting point right there. You were calm. And one of the things that I advocate with people when I talk to them about prepping, they say, so, so what are you preparing for the volcano in New York? It's like, no. I'm not preparing for anything in particular, but I am preparing for anything that could possibly come my way. They go, how could you possibly prepare for anything and everything? I go, well, I, I, I cannot, but living in shake, rattle and row country here in California, I learned a big lesson during the big earthquakes that we've had, which I've always been, been, being a Californian, I kind of actually enjoy earthquakes. I know that sounds sick, But I remember as a kid sitting in my bed and it would start rocking. I go, this is so cool. (laughs) My parents are freaking out and I'm just like laughing at the ride. Um, Anyway, I digress. So the people that are calm, like you were calm, you're saying you're calm. And that's one of the things like if we didn't learn anything through these disasters, New Orleans, Hurricane Katrina, so on and so forth. You know, I'll never forget the picture of the guy sitting on top of a house that's halfway underwater the big sign saying help me meanwhile fema has their own sign in their window which is underwater and it says we are closed due to bad weather leaning on the government is is in my opinion stupid they're going to be so overwhelmed they're going to be dealing with so much um you really need to be self-reliant you need to have your preps in line and this is a perfect example of that because even though you didn't have everything you wish you did you at least had some provisions and you were pretty much at home with your candles and your water and you had enough food and you were pretty, I'm not just sure <laughs> running around with your coats like a kumbaya, but you, but you were not, uh, you weren't, you weren't one of those panicked few. So that's a huge testimony in itself right I there.
1: Think, yes. And I think that, you know, by God's grace, I got a chance to grow up in the East and deal with blizzards and all kinds of things like that, then move to California and deal with, you better be prepared for an earthquake and have your earthquake shoes next to the bed. And inside of that, you've got your gloves in case you have to lift things that have glass on them and, you know, socks and uh, other things, flashlight and uh, one of those Mylar blankets and all that. So I set started setting up again for those to contingencies when i got here in the middle of the country okay i had my earthquake boots they're still beside the bed i've got all that stuff there you know one of the first things that disappears from stores is bread and milk so you have your canned milk you have your bread there uh cheeses can last for a long time so i i kind of mix those two things and start building back my preps from there um and and plan to continue to do so even at a a greater level to the maximum extent that I can living in an apartment.
0: Now let's touch on security while we're talking about all this, if you don't mind, Um, you know, being a woman, being a single woman, um, being like, if you look at what happened again with hurricane Katrina, the people that really got nailed by the, by the rotters, were the people that really had no self-defense even though that unconstitutional chief of police went around and started confiscating firearms uh, i love that one seed where this entire block just goes the national guard starts coming through they go yeah we're here to confiscate your guns he goes nope see all those guys over there they got bigger guns than you all so you just turn around and go and they made a barricade these guys walked away they were not going to get into a gunfight with all of these people and it was just it was kind of funny it was a it was a weird uh, civil disobedience. And yet my friend who actually went there to help during that time, he says, you would hear gunfire going off all night long and, and, and during that time. And I was just thinking about the importance behind self-defense. So do you mind touching base a little bit with uh, your security and what that means to you as a woman Ooh. and the importance behind um, that?
1: I never want to be without the adequate tools to defend myself. And those tools are not only the hardware, (laughs) um, but also the training. So I want to make sure that I stay uh, proficient in the use of my tools. Um, Like I I admit, they are perishable skills. They are perishable skills. It'll come back. (laughs) And (laughs) there's the. There are things you can do even in this ammo shortage sure. period that can keep your skills up. You can, there's all kinds of things that you can do. There's dry firing, there's um, laser guns you can use, there's other kinds of things that you can do. Um, when I, I mentioned that some things got left behind when we were moving, and if it were a choice between uh, something having to do with self defense or this box of I don't know. Lipsticks. <laughs> the lipsticks are staying behind, even if they like are super expensive ones that cost twenty five dollars and up a tube. Goodbye. You know. <laughs> well,
0: now that's impressive stuff right there. I'm telling you what. That that that's uh I know for a woman that's a huge sacrifice. So, exactly. Wow. So praise the Lord that and was pass the um, barbecue sauce. That's really
1: awesome. um <laughs> paramount to me. Um and and you know, another reason for choosing Texas, as I mentioned earlier, was because they respect that right to self defense. Um, and that's defense. And then, of course, uh, with that goes the full set, Second Amendment, which is the right to be able to defend yourself against such a radical government, should it come to that. We all hope that it doesn't. But if it does, which way are you going to live? Um, I guess, or die. <clears throat>
0: You know, you, you you gotta love what the left are saying. You know, Joe Biden. You know, Jill, just go out there on the balcony and fire two rounds into the air from your double barrel shot. You know, I,
1: I have um I have, when I was okay. in uh, uh, um Southern California, I have good friends out there who are um owning FFL, um federal their federal firearms licensees and they have a store. And during the time oh, it was in the summer, last summer before you know, as things were ramping up, getting to, going towards the um, election time, a lot of people came in and started complaining about the draconian laws that California had on one's ability to own a firearm. And, oh, we got to wait 10 days and we have to do this and we have to do that and the other thing. And why can't I get that particular one that my friend living in X state has? Well, because you can't have it in California. Well, my friend got this in California. Uh, he has it. Yeah, well, it dropped off the roster. And so they were really becoming extremely angry about the results, consequences, ramifications of the laws that they had voted for. And that was an interesting thing to see. And I'm talking about uh-huh. shouting, screaming, dropping F-bomb anger at some point um, to people. It was It was not a pretty sight. But oh, that's yeah. something else. When you th- th- These things move in the, a similar way to how a ratchet moves. It goes in one direction, doesn't move back. So if you start letting that get in there and start eroding, you're going to end up at a place where you may not want to be. Um, I don't know how many of those people then used that knowledge they had gained to vote in a way that would, con- that would protect those rights when the election rolled around in... Um, November I don't I have no idea but hopefully some of them did and something else I want to touch on here which is a little bit tangential but I believe it will answer some things the government does not give us our rights our rights are God-given the government is there to protect is there to protect those rights to they the missed. extent that a government does not protect those rights that government, is off course. That government is on the way to tyranny. That government will become tyrannical. One of the problems with trying to join in with a, a European Union or a UN or any of those kinds of things, and I know I'm touching on some um, possibly explosive grounds here, is that is that
0: countries- <laughs> You go those girl, Speak your heart.
1: Say that the government gives you the rights Any right that a government gives you is a right that that government can take away. And this is happening over there in ways that people here should pay attention to. This is not just um, a U.S. problem, although it is our problem. We are Americans and it's our problem. But there is a larger picture as to what is happening in the entire world. And if you stand on a principle that rights are God-given, then that will guide you in your actions in terms of um, communicating, dealing, um, and interacting with government. That's kind of, yeah, that's it.
0: No, that's uh, that's good stuff. And these are things that I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to. Um, you talked about um, the the FFL guy and you know I what, my local gun store that I go to and where I go and I requalify actually down in the valley for my firearms <clears throat> um, he was saying I, most of my firearms sold in the last six months have been sold to liberals and I go well how do you know they're liberal because they'll say very clearly that <laughs> I had no idea it was this difficult for all of you conservatives <laughs> It was pretty much, you know, telling him where he stood, more or less. And he heard this this over and over and over again. He goes, you mean I just can't come in here and pick up a gun? No. You mean I have to wait? Yeah. You mean, you mean? mean," And it just went on and on. And the guy says, you get these yahoos in here that don't know anything, and then they want to go and shoot? And you're thinking, oh, my word. (laughs) We got to get double-down range officers out here. Yes. (laughs) So it was just kind of, you know, I mean – and that's one of the things that we've been really trying to help people with, you know, on our end. To to my earpiece there, um, is the there's so many people that have purchased firearms, they have no idea what to do. I got I cannot believe how many people out of the woodwork are emailing me and they're saying, uh, we just bought some firearms, uh, we have plenty of bullets. Uh what do we do now? It's like, oh my word. Okay, you need to get trained. Like you said, you you've always been really Really great about training the women at the church, and started that little. What'd you call it? That uh, well, club there was guys, actually a club it, at the. It, um, uh,
1: it was a, it was a group at a club. Uh, yeah, at the range I went to, and at the range you went to. That was the group, at didn't the you club? have a group of girls? The, you called um, yourself the Annie, Annie Oakley like that, or. And at the time, oh. we met once a month, and every oh, okay. time we met, we had a different event. Um, so we engaged in the four shooting disciplines, and those are. Handgun, shotgun, Uh-oh. rifle, and archery. And I know people don't think of archery as a shooting sport, but it is. And we had uh, some classes were in the classroom if it was bad weather um, on, you know, self-defense and the law, or these are the parts of a firearm. Um, or we would we would have, um, sometimes there would be competitions of sort, uh, not a lot of moving and shooting because the levels of the participants were from I never touched that before. If I touch it, I'm going to get sick (laughs) to very proficient. Um, But it was all about having women become more confident in their ability to handle a firearm and their ability and commitment to defending themselves. Um, I know a girl who said, well, the first thing I'm going to do is shoot myself. And I said, why would you say that? Well, I'm just, I said, well, not if you have proper training and when you got into a car, when you learned to drive, was the first thing that you said, oh, I'm going to crash into a tree and kill myself? No. You're always like, I'm excited. I'm going to learn this new skill, and it's going to help me to be independent. And that's the same attitude you need to bring to this discipline. Right. So I've had some really nice um, successes with working with, um, yeah. with women. And I did work with some men, and I did work with couples um, But with the women, because, you know, I'm too weak. I can't do this. So my husband came and, you know, tried to make me shoot. It's usually a 45, you know, and, you know, with uh, hot ammo or something. And then he laughs when I can't do it. (laughs) You know, he's six foot three and 200 and some pounds Mm -hmm. and I'm five one. And, you know. Yeah. And then, and now, now you're afraid setting you up for failure. Out someone of the like shoot. That, I've had success. And that makes me not only feel, Oh, wow. Because it's one more person who understands it. That person said to me, which was smiling at the end this one particular person I'm thinking about. And she said, I never thought I could do this. She said, I still am a, don't like it, but I'm comfortable with his liking it. And I'm comfortable knowing that I can do something myself if he's not around so that's it yeah
0: you know when i trained my wife i'm sorry sorry for interrupting go ahead uh i was just going to say that when i would train my wife how to shoot um i i have a i I started her on a 22 uh just 22 pistol getting her used to what that feels like it was the exact same feel of the existing gun it was a, a kit out here in valencia this uh I forget what the name of them but it's a 22 conversion from your glock where you can run 22 ammo through it and so she got the feel of the gun of the, of the glock she got the feel of the trigger reset the trigger pull everything just how to manipulate the weapon the biomechanics of it and all that with the 22 you know just a little pop and when she was comfortable with that um i moved her to my nine and she shot the nine and you know snapped, you know a little, little more but it wasn't anything major and she was she was banging steel like crazy with that thing. Just, I mean, did so well. I was so proud of her, but I brought her through it slowly first with the 22, then the nine, then I moved her up to the 40. And, you know, I, myself, you know, I, I was a 40 guy only because of the FBI report that I read about, Oh, it's right between a nine and right between a 45 and I used to shoot competitive 45 and I love the 45. Um, but I have to tell you, with the with the with the new bullets of the, of the nine millimeter, the ballistics behind it, they're 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 performing really really well, and the forty seem to be so snappy. And target acquisition is really tough, especially if you're doing like a three gun comp, and you, you know it's just like you're not going to get back on target as fast as you would with a nine, and your recovery is totally different and snappier than heck. So I've kind of moved back to the nine, and which yeah, my wife I want to say to to people
1: who are listening to so <laughs> I never thought that I would be this interested in the whole gun culture when I started in 2013. I didn't, I just wanted to know how to, you know, use a gun for myself. I didn't know anything about it. Not really. You know, you see them around, your dad has one, your uncle has one, your grandfather has a shotgun or, you know, they went out hunting with these rifles, but I just never really paid attention as a kid. Um, So I had no idea that I would um, enjoy the teaching part as much as I do enjoy the, um, proficiency, knowing I have some level of proficiency as much as I do. Um, so I never thought that there, and, and I don't require that again of anybody that I work with or anybody that I talk to or anybody who's in this community at any level, I don't require that you are a clone of me. Um, at the same time though, if you are anti, um, Firearms in any way. I don't want you to try to require me to be like you. And we're seeing this on many. We're seeing this on so many levels right now, being exposed (laughs) that people have certain beliefs that they they want Mm. to do something. It's fine, do it. I'm not going to stop you. That's that's your you know purview over there. But don't make me do it if there's no reason for it. And I don't see there being a reason for my having to be disarmed. Myself and my family and so forth, in order for you to feel comfortable. Because one of the things I I do um, emphasize when I'm working with people, oh well, you know, I'm just gonna and I'll say, this is for self defense. You're not being offensive. You are you are defending. Now it may require you to do a first strike or something. But it's still within the realm of self-defense. The other thing I found that if, if women, have, women have asked me, will you work with me? Will you go out with me? And these are some very angry women, some of them, and I will not work with them. If, if they can't get their anger under control, and they, I've seen them in many sure. situations, um, that's a dangerous person. And I don't want to contribute to that. They may go somewhere else and learn or do whatever. Yep. They may go out and just buy something, and, but I cannot be a part of that. And, um, so, um, I'm not sure where to come down yet on government required, um, uh, training because usually it's, it's insufficient. So if, if, the, if your government requires that you get training in order to do certain things or, or do concealed, do it definitely, but go beyond that because I'm sure it's minimal. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier was that in that Katrina situation, the people there said we've got better and more and can handle it than you have. So, you know, go away in that National Guard situation. Um, So, yeah, sure.
0: Let me throw in something real quick here. My canine officer friend, he, um, he said, because of lack of ammo, he said, they're qualifying every six months. I'm going, for mm-hmm. for what I have to do, I have to qualify more than that. Um, and I'm thinking, this is a law enforcement officer who, it's a perishable skill. And he goes, we don't, I can't even, the last time we shot and then we we didn't even have to qualify to the qualifications that we did before <sighs> because now they've changed the rules because some women no offense here but are having trouble qualifying so they've lowered the standards uh, this is just going to lead to some serious injuries within the department
1: and very i'm just thinking probably be this is crazy i mean I, but <laughs> <laughs> number 1 is maybe they okay. have bad training you know women are built differently than men yeah oh yeah <laughs> even a, a you know a woman who no. basically is, Come on.
0: Cur- Wait a minute. Hold I'm gonna get in trouble.
1: Who are You're curves? Really get have curves. curves. And there's different ratios between from the from the shoulder to yeah. the waist. And so you have to make adjustments there. Um no. in racking the slide, there are things you can do. Um <laughs> that that is a thing you to can mine, do I don't know why, that I'm will not anyway, you know continue. permit you to to operate your <laughs> firearm. The other thing is if there is a standard saying this is a standard we have to meet in order to do these things and you can't do it um so sorry, you can't do it, you don't qualify that's not the job for you um it's It's a horrible thing to say, I mean yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you is, know what that's yeah, that's what's really great to about it. the and tool I mean, Like I have a friend and, and <laughs> she wanted to get something equalizer? and she just said I cannot right. take a, a nine. I just can't Amen. take it. She's very thin. She, she's not she's average height, but she's very thin and she's not that strong. And she said I can't do the nine and just it freaks her out. She so I said, Okay, so she said, I have to get a twenty two, I have to get 20 twenty two. Okay. Get the twenty-two, but you know what that means? That means you're going to have to work on your accuracy. That means you're going to have to maybe make poke more holes in your target. Then, <laughs> excuse me.
0: No, this is what shy. I said. Yeah.
1: And and she said, no, okay. Seriously. I said, which means you're going mean, to. I
0: mean, I I remember the video. Probably
1: practice yeah. more, and she's pretty good, you know, in terms of her her, um, her accuracy. I said that's going to be your thing. And you that's what you're gonna have to work on if this is the the uh, firearm you want. Yeah um oh I want the cute little gun. It's so cute. I said no It's all you about don't. You placement. Want what fits and shop what you shoot well with. This is somebody else. Yeah, I don't you don't care if it's cute. Well it's this pink one's nice. Okay, get the one that works and then go get it coated pink sure. later on. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're a little too practical. You're gonna really take off some dowser. No offense. It's like I, my, you know, my wife and I were funny because I, I'm very practically minded, and she's very pretty minded. It's like she doesn't care how practical as long as it looks pretty. Like she, like on the way to the bathroom, she'll have this. Well, there is a, a shaker on the way, that goes I knock it off the wall like, you, know, I go over.
1: you should only have those <laughs> items that are useful, and but make sure that they they're also beautiful. Or they can they, or they or can be also beautiful. So they don't have to be ugly, but they, they yeah, do need well, to function. That's the balance. So I start with the functionality. We can pretty it up later. I mean, we women just wake yeah. up every day and we start with the basics and we pretty it up. You know, so we're used yeah. to that. So we can do that. <laughs> you can do that with your firearm, too. Oh, that's
0: funny. <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse so what me. What was that pastor? What was the pastor who said? said um that's fine what's that, that pastor he <laughs> says um ladies yeah. if the if the fence needs yeah. painting paint it <laughs> i love i remember that was funny anyway yeah m- like my wife she's very good she, everything's decorated really really nice i'm thinking if i was a single Actually, guy there's, I a, there's a connection the between the, wall, the ice storm here and um <laughs> the subject we're talking yeah, so, about now I'm,
1: the complex provided a tour bus like the kind that you would take from la to vegas or if you're in new york to um atlantic city back in the day when people did that um it was a big bus and it had heat and it had they gave snacks out on there and there was a bathroom in there so it it stayed here for i think three or four days all day first they weren't going to have it here for a few hours and then they just expanded it to 24 then they said look it's going to be here till this thing is over so you could sit on that thing you could even sleep on there if you wanted, and some people did Um, Mm. So that was really, really nice. But one night we were sleeping. Uh, It wasn't, we weren't sleeping. It was really, it was late, early morning, late, late. It was after like one o'clock in the morning. And I was, I was still out there. I I went up um, to my place uh, late that night and this homeless guy from somewhere down blocks away under the freeway shows up and tries to break into the building.
0: Mm.
1: And we could see him from the, from the, um, Oh, boy. On the bus windows. And that was a huge thing. I mean, watching him and just seeing he wasn't he, – he tried to get on the bus, but the bus driver wouldn't let him on because he was not a resident. So he didn't let him on. So then he went to the building and uh, went through the front door
0: because – Sally, just to let you know, yes. uh, I'm getting a flag that I'm way over my time. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> so – but, um, yeah, we're, we're at 50. And I wanted okay. to keep it 35 or 40, but that's Okay. okay. But yeah, okay, so. I'll, I'll
1: just I'll just wrap up. So, so you know, looking at that and saying, okay, wh- what do I have with me? I'm on this bus. Am I prepared if this crazy homeless guy tries to do something? So,
0: right. And you were ready. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank. We'll leave it right there. Yes. All right. So, listen. Uh, thank you so much for joining this podcast. Um, is there anything you'd like to say in closing?
1: Um. It's been fun. A uh, couple of curveballs there, but um, I hope it's informational and educational with people, and um, I hope that people will follow up and do what they need to do to be prepared for the next disaster, emergency, whatever, because yeah. it's coming, whatever form it takes.
0: Life always throws curveballs, yes, it does, does it not? all right well it was great talking to you and uh we'll probably be in touch very soon again angie and i'll be whoops yeah uh <laughs> hey um we'll be in touch with you guys okay you for sure and say I hi will. to your sister and you guys you okay. guys take care
1: thank you <laughs> sure bye. Take care
0: bye